All right, so today I am in Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 13. And today's passage, quite truthfully, this is going to be one of my favorite messages that I preach in the Gospel of Mark because the excitement and the energy that is happening in this passage of scripture and what is taking place is amazing. Uh, It had to have been an exciting but yet anxious time uh, in the life of the disciples. Uh, So they have been walking uh, with Jesus for some time now, all right? And they have been watching They have been learning from him. Uh, They have been growing as he has been teaching this. And while they have experienced uh, much in their time with the Lord, Jesus has primarily up until this point done all the work. All right? And so this passage today that we're going to talk about, this is going to be their first real opportunity uh, for service. Uh, They have served as Padawans. Do you know what a Padawan is? Only the nerds in the room know what a Padawan is. Star Wars, that's right. They have served as mentors. That's what a Padawan or, 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 or mentorees, okay? They have served under Jesus, receiving up to this point, and the time has come for them to step out into ministry. Now, we've discussed previously uh, that these disciples, these 12, this was a very diverse group. I mean, Fortune 500 companies today would probably be looking in a different direction uh, than these 12. Their qualifications were not at the top of uh, the list their resumes were not the greatest okay uh, that for the majority of these guys they had not been formally trained in universities they had not gone to seminaries or anything like that for the most part these guys were common ordinary men that Jesus would use in extraordinary ways And so our text this morning provides encouragement. And that's what I love about this message today. It provides encouragement and it provides guidance for those of us who want to serve the Lord. And I want to ask today, I just want to do a survey. How many, and I, it's, it's, you know, I'm putting you on the spot, but how many of you here today genuinely want to serve the Lord? If you would, just raise your hand, okay? I'm not writing names down or anything. I got Steve back in the corner doing that for me, all right? No, I'm just kidding. But, but this text is a passage that is encouragement and it's guidance for any of us who want to serve the Lord. And while our culture and our environment is nowhere near or not even similar to the culture that we see here in this first century arena, uh, the characteristics of service revealed in this passage, in my opinion, are timeless, all right? So hopefully, after we get through this message today, you're going to be a little bit more informed and better equipped to serve the Lord by considering what you've heard. 
And so what I want to do is I want to examine the aspects of service as we consider the thought being called. Have any of you ever heard that phrase? Have you ever heard somebody talk about in the church about being called to do something? Yeah, we've heard it. Pastors talk about their calling, okay? Ministers talk about being called, all right? You see, being called is much deeper. It's much stronger than just volunteering. It's much deeper. It's much stronger than just being willing to serve. You see, when you talk about being called, you're talking about having a deep conviction And what we believe that comes from the Heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit that drives us, that pushes us to step out in faith and do what we believe God is calling us to do. And so what I want to first say today, before I even get into the depths of this message is that every single person in this room today, I want you to understand that God has a calling for your life. And it's up to us to be surrendered so that we can receive that calling. Amen? All right, so we're just going to break down these passages of Scripture. So the first passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today is we're going to look at Mark chapter 6, verse 7, all right? And this is the commissioning of the twelve, all right? He says, he summoned the twelve, and he began to send them out in pairs, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits, all right? So he summons the twelve, and he begins to send them out in pairs, and he gives them the authority over unclean spirits. Now, What I want you to notice here is that Mark reveals the calling and the commission of the 12 for service. What I want you to notice is, first of all, I want you to notice their calling, all right? It says he summoned the 12, all right? Jesus called each of these guys to follow him, promising, and this is what he promises them somewhere else in Scripture. We see this. He promises to make them fishers of men. The time will come for them to take what they have learned and use it in the kingdom of God. You see, these men were called by the Lord for a specific task. They all had different abilities, they had different gifts, and yet the Lord had a place of service For each of them, he had called and he would choose the area for them. You see, oftentimes when we read this passage of Scripture and when we hear this passage of Scripture being preached on, we often go directly to preachers and pastors, okay? And while I'm not trying to minimize or, 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 or diminish uh, uh, or, uh, the calling on a minister's life, what I, would try, what I want you to understand is that the calling goes beyond just pastors and preachers. I would encourage 
every uh, minister going into the ministry uh, to be clear uh, that God called them into the ministry. I had a professor in seminary, it was my first class in seminary, named Gil Stafford, and he was an incredible professor. Uh, wrote a book on discipleship back in the day before I really had a full understanding of discipleship. I had this book on my shelf. But Gil Stafford sat in our classroom one day, and he looked at all of us seminary students, and he said, I want you to, I, I want to tell you something. And we were waiting for the deep theological nuggets from Gil. And this is what he said. He said, I want to, I want to tell you guys something. If you can do anything else and be happy, get out of this room and go do it. If you can do anything else and be happy, you don't belong in here. Go do it. Because what he wanted me to understand and he wanted us to understand is that when God places a calling in your life, gives you a calling, and he was speaking to us as ministers specifically, when God has placed a calling in your life and you understand that calling, you will never be happy unless you are doing that. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There have been many, 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 okay, many, well, okay, that seemed like extreme, but it was kind of, there have been many times over the last 27 years where I have wanted to go do something else, all right? Being a pastor is not always easy. We have to work four hours a week on Sunday mornings, and that's it. And everyone is wonderful and loving and compassion, compassionate. And I just got to be honest, sometimes it's too difficult to work that little bit of time with so many wonderful people. <laughs> and there have been times when I have wanted to do something else. That is true here, but not the four hours, but the wonderful people. But i got to be honest with you. I could never do anything else other than be a pastor at this point in my life unless God changes that and be happy. That's what a calling is. And so while these men, all right, while these men were following Jesus, these men, they were being called to the Lord for a specific task. They all, they had these different abilities, but God was going to use them. And, and so what this passage does is it looks in, and it basically not only is talking about their calling, but what I draw from this today is the reality that every single believer is called of the Lord to engage in kingdom work. You see, we all have a responsibility and a calling to share the gospel and to make what? Say it. Disciples, that's right. 
The specific giftedness that we receive and the particular area of service of our lives, it comes from the Lord, just as the twelve. But what I want you guys to understand today is that their calling and our calling comes from the Lord, and He has a specific plan for every single one of us, and we have to be willing to surrender to that. Now in verse 7, it goes on and it says, He summoned the twelve, and it says, He began to send them out in pairs. Like the call to a specific area or service, the Lord also chose which of those twelve would work together. He knew these guys better than they knew themselves, and he paired them up according to his divine wisdom and willing. See, what I want you guys to understand is as I read that today, here's something that I want you also to grab a hold of in this. I didn't come here to Lifebrook Church to take a job. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that our Heavenly Father up above paired us together. I am here because God has called me to be a part of the life of this church and the life of this community. And I take that very, very seriously. Because in some ways, I see it as if it is a marriage, all right? And I take my marriage with my wife very, very, very seriously. Anybody that knows me, they know I love my wife, all right? She is awesome. Anyone that can put up with me, whoo, all right? But when we talk about calling, we have to understand that God brings together that which he wants. And when God is in the center of it, all things are possible. Amen? So we read in this passage of Scripture, he summoned the twelve, and he began to send them out in pairs. I kind of wonder sometimes, I'm going to have to do a little research on this, but I kind of wonder, you know, because in other passages of Scripture, it talks about who he paired them off with. I wonder if there wasn't some strategy. I know there was some strategy. I know that he put Simon Peter and Judas together for a reason, Okay. We know what Judas was. We also know Simon Peter didn't put up with any crap. I doesn't say that specifically in the Bible, okay? <laughs> Don't anybody like, I where the pastor said crap. It's not in there. I'll probably have to repent of saying that later. But, but there's a reason, okay? All right? So he sent them out in pair, and then he gave them authority over unclean spirits. Now, in a sense, what that is basically saying right there, if we can just kind of melt that down as we're working through this, basically what that's saying is that he, he called them, he sent them out, and he equipped them to do what they need to do. While these men were young in their faith, they were new to ministry, they were not expected to engage in these efforts with their own strength. He was not sending them out on their own strength. The Lord gave them power 
to do what he called them to do. And so it says he gave them power over the unclean spirits that they would encounter. And so this particular word, it refers to inerrant power, okay? It has the idea of someone possessing the right to do a thing and having the power to carry it out. And so let me just tell you what that means to us today is that when God calls you to do something, when he places a calling in your life, he is going to equip you. He's not only going to equip you, but he's going to give you the authority and the power to do what he calls you to do. He doesn't call us to do something and then say, hey, you're on your own, buddy. Go out there and do it by yourself. No! What happens here in this passage of Scripture is he gives them authority. When he calls us to do what we're supposed to do, he gives us the authority. He gives us the power to accomplish what he has called us to accomplish. And every believer is empowered from the Lord. Do you believe that today? In fact, we are given the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. The moment you receive Jesus Christ in your life, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we got to work at that sometimes, but we have it. Ministry is much like other pursuits in that it becomes easier the more we engage in the efforts, okay? But we're never alone. Even as new and young believers, we have the guidance and we have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to aid us as we seek the Lord. When I first felt the calling into ministry my senior year of high school, I surrendered to it for about 10 minutes. That was about it. And then I spent four years trying to run from it. I've told you that story. It has taken me 30 plus years living in this calling to slowly get to the place of being fully equipped for the calling. I'm still not there, don't get me wrong. But you see, what we have to understand is that oftentimes when we don't surrender to the calling, we waste a lot of time being equipped, all right? And the more we walk, God doesn't expect us to get prepared He doesn't expect us to have everything figured out. He expects us to be obedient, but he expects us to step out in faith knowing that as we walk with him, the strength will come as we walk. You know? I was over at the pool house last night, and the pool house, there's a lot of kids in that house. A lot, all right? And the baby... It's not really a baby. He's like, he's the tallest little baby I ever saw. But last night I was watching little Isaiah, and he has finally figured out how to pull himself up at four months old. No, he's not four months. He's 12. But at 12 months old, 11, however, I don't know how old kids are, man. I, don't, I forget my kids' names half the time, okay? There, there's Bill, Fred, Ted, Susie. 
No, that's not our kids. That's somebody else's kids. All right, never mind. Anyway, little Isaiah, I'm watching him last night. And, dude, he's, this kid, you pick him up, and when you pick him up, his legs, he's like one of those, like, battery-operated toys. You pick him up off the ground, his legs going like that all the time. But I'm watching him last night, and he's pulled himself up, and he's got a hold of this chair. And he's standing there, and he's sliding himself around the chair. And then he reaches over to my knee, and he's pulling himself over there and he's pulling himself around me and then he gets to this point where there's nothing else to grab a hold of and he looks at me like as if I'm supposed to do something (laughs) so I put my hand out and he grabs a hold of my hand the point I'm trying to make is there's going to come a time in the not so distant future when he's not going to need anything to walk He's going to be walking on his own, but he's using. You see, in our calling, when God calls us, we start, and first we got to pull ourselves up, but then we start moving, and he gives us the strength, and he gives us the power, and, we, and, and as we do, and as we're a part of what he's called us to be a part of, we grow and we get stronger. And can I tell you, there are a lot of folks in the church today. There are a lot of you in the church today that God has called you, and you need to start using the muscle. You need to start working the calling, because if you will, he's going to give you more strength, but you've got to do something with it. Can you say amen to that? We live in a world that is struggling right now, I believe, Because called followers of Jesus Christ are not living their calling. You see, Jesus, he said he summoned the twelve and he began to send them out in pairs. And he gave them authority to, uh, over the unclean spirits and he sent them. John chapter 14 verse 12 says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the work that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Folks, this morning, I want to challenge us. Every single one of us has been called. It's time for us to start living our calling, to start building our calling muscles. So let's move on. In verse 8 through 11, we begin to see some instruction that he gives the 12, okay? So prior to sending them out the way Jesus offered vital instruction for their work, he talks about this. He says in verse 8 and 9, it says, He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. All right? So the 12, they were allowed only a small amount of provisions for their journey. They were allowed to have a staff for walking, shoes on their feet. They left with the clothes on their back. And Jesus even commanded them to not take two coats, okay? They were not to take anything else. There's no traveler's bag. There's no food. There's no money. There's nothing else, okay? Now, why would he do this? 
Why would he send them out like this? Because the disciples needed to learn to live by faith, trusting the Lord to provide for their every need. Folks, we need to start living by faith. God has placed a calling in your life. Have faith that he's going to give you what he wants you to have to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. You see, those of us in ministry today, we can learn a little bit from this caution. I see, I, I see in the ministry today, and I see in so many different areas, far too many people see their ministry environment as, as a means of privilege or prosperity. There's a whole gospel that's birthed out of this. It's called the prosperity gospel. Like the original 12, we too need to learn to walk by faith, trusting the Lord to provide for us as we surrender to his works. Now in verse 10 he goes on and he says to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. Which that kind of seems like stay there until you leave. That's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down until I get up. You know? What he was saying to them though is he's saying as they enter a town or a village... And they found, when they found a place that welcomed them in, he said, stay there. Basically, stay there until you need to leave to go to another area. Okay? They were not to move. What he's saying here is he's saying, don't move around needlessly from one house to another. Uh, don't, don't act like you, you need hospitality or, or, that you, uh, or, or that you're looking for hospitality. Jesus didn't want the 12 to be viewed as being greedy or, you know, expecting to have things, okay? They had been called not to go out and receive, but they had been called to serve, not to receive. You see, this goes hand in hand with the previous thought. Ministry was never intended to be about the minister and, his, uh, and, and meeting his or her every need or desire. I knew coming into the ministry, and I still know, I am never going to be a millionaire. It's not going to happen. I'm not in it for the money. All right? Yet I see so many people around us in ministry that it seems to be like that is all that they focus on. Now don't get me wrong. I think I need to be able to take care of my wife. I think I need to be able to take care of my kids. You know, thank the God, good Lord up above, they're all grown. So now I'm hoping at some point they're going to start taking care of me. But this is not about wealth and prosperity. Anytime we see any kind of ministry, anytime we see any kind, I'm going to give you a caution here. Anytime you see any kind of ministry or you see any minister and the main focus of everything that comes out of their mouth is money, beware. Beware. Because it's not about that. 
It's about obedience. It's about being surrendered. It's about understanding who takes care of us and who provides for us. And I can tell you right now, without a shadow of a doubt, I know who takes care of me. It's my heavenly Father. Amen? You see, Jesus didn't want the 12 when they went out. He didn't want it to come across like they were out there trying to get money. All right? They were called to live the gospel to those around them. They were not employees. They were shepherds. And see, that's the difference between a minister who is an employee and a minister who is a shepherd. And I, I challenge you today. I encourage you today. I beg you today. If I ever as your pastor, turn into an employee and not a shepherd, get rid of me. Amen? Thank you. I just told you to fire me. If I ever mess up, not right now. All right. I'm just breaking this fast of Scripture, so we've got to go down. Okay, go, put on, go ahead and put verse 11 up there, all right? If any place does not welcome you or listen to you when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Wow, that's a powerful passage of Scripture. You see, I have no doubt that Jesus also wanted to prepare them for rejection that would inevitably come from some. All right? Not everyone would welcome them or embrace their ministry, okay, or their message. They were not to take rejection personally. This is what Jesus is saying, okay? This was, in reality, a rejection of the Lord, not them. So that's what he's saying. He says, he's saying rather than engaging in unprofitable debate, they are to simply leave the place, shake the dust off their feet as a testimony against them, and the Lord will deal with their rejection in his time and according to his will. All right? You see, what we need to understand in our calling, folks, is that as we strive to serve the Lord, we're going to experience rejection at times. Amen? Like the disciples, what we have to be willing to do is shake it off and move on. We cannot allow the dust of unbelief and doubt to cling to us, possibly causing doubt and despair to move into our own lives. Now, I'm preaching this part of this message today with four fingers pointing at me, okay? Because this is a struggle that I have. I have a struggle at times. You know I'm always trying to be transparent with you guys. This is one of my struggles. One of my struggles is when people are unhappy with me or unhappy with the message that I am proclaiming, if I'm proclaiming the truth, I still try to make them happy because I am a people pleaser. Don't take advantage of me over that, okay? Please but it's the truth, all right? We've got to remember that if we are speaking the gospel truth, then in reality, if someone is rejecting what we are saying, they are not rejecting us. They are rejecting the Lord. And we have to realize that when we are proclaiming the truth, not every single person is going to be happy or joyful, 
over what we are proclaiming. Because for some, what we are proclaiming may be challenging them to change the way they're doing things. And there will come a day we have to be reminded that they stand before the Lord. You see, my task is not to stand up here and convince you to follow Jesus. My task is to stand up here and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to proclaim to you what it means to follow Jesus and the difference that he will make in your life. If you don't choose to do that, I'm not going to be responsible for that. However, what I am going to be responsible for is not speaking the truth to you. If I stand up here and I just blow out a bunch of uh, nice rosy fluff, okay, and I tell you things like, eh, you don't have to really serve Jesus. Just come up here and get a ticket on Sunday morning. You know, tell Jesus you love him and just try to be a good person and you'll go to heaven because everybody's going to get in there because Jesus loves everybody. How in the world would he not let everybody get in? If I stand up here and I tell you that, someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I'm going to give an account of what I have proclaimed to you. Now, if I stand up here and I proclaim to you the gospel truth, and you make a choice not to listen, you're going to stand before the Lord someday for that. That's hard preaching, and people don't like to hear that sometimes. But it's the truth. That's the gospel truth. You will one day, I will one day give an account for our lives to the Lord. And if we have rejected him, we have rejected the sole means of salvation. Amen? All right, let me get on. So let's see how much time we got here. I can't tell my normal joke because I pointed out that I tell the same joke every week, and so I can't tell it. I feel like I'm being held hostage right now. All right. So let's talk about the submission of the 12 for a couple minutes. Verse 12 and 13. Finally, we see the submission. We see obedience of the 12 regarding their call. So in verse 12, part A, it says, so they went out, all right? It's very simple, okay? But yet it's extremely profound. They responded to the Lord's call, and they engaged in the work of ministry. We also should sense the need to actively engage in the work of the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? We also should sense the need to actively engage in the work of the Lord. The fields are white, ready for harvest. Time is short, and we need to take advantage of every opportunity that God gives us 
to proclaim the good news and be disciples who make disciples. Amen? It goes on in verse 12 and says in the second part, So they went out and they preached that people should repent. You see, as the twelve went out in different directions to various places, they shared a common message. They all challenged those who would hear to examine their hearts, to repent of sin, to believe and follow Jesus. This is the message that many do not want to hear today, and some will attempt to water down. Few want to hear the message of repentance. That does not mean we should not proclaim it. It means we need to continue to proclaim it even more fervently. You cannot experience salvation apart from repentance. Did you hear that today? You see, this involves more uh, than guilt or regret for sin. It speaks of abandoning sin, confessing our need for the Lord, and turning toward Him for salvation. Regardless of our specific area of service, we must all proclaim the gospel message. You see, they went out and they preached that people should repent. Folks, we, we can't just be satisfied with finding some way to serve in church. We can't just be satisfied with attending services regularly. We can't just be satisfied with spending time each and every day in prayer. We just can't be satisfied spending time in the Word. Sometimes I believe we think we're good disciples if we come to church regularly, if we put something in the tithe box, if we find a place to serve and we pray and study. That's only the one part of discipleship. That's only one part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, yes, you need to do all of those things, okay? You need to be, you need to be serving at the church. You need to be attending service. It says, do not forsake the fellowship of believers. You need to be tithing. Anybody that doesn't believe in tithing, come and talk to me later. I'll talk to you about it, okay? And by the way, tithing doesn't mean I get to do with what I want. It means uh, the first tenth belongs to the Lord. I don't have control over it. It's His. I give it to Him. I surrender it, all right? And he is gracious enough to tell me, oh, I get to control the other 90%. It's amazing how we look at tithing sometimes. I'm not trying to make this a tithing sermon, but we always look, oh, the pastor's asking for 10%. The church is asking for 10%. No, it all belongs to the Lord, amen? God is just saying surrender 10%, and hey, I'm going to give you 90% back. Wow, that's a good investment, isn't it? And he's also saying to us, hey, listen, you surrender to me the tenth that I've asked, I promise you the other 90% is going to go so much farther than you could ever figure on your own. All right, I'm done with that message, okay? <laughs> Steve told me to preach that part, okay? 
There's another part of discipleship that we have to grab a hold of and realize. And that is the part that goes, I need to experience and understand the goodness of God around me. You see, I need to acknowledge and realize how good God is and what he's doing around me. The other part, another part of being a disciple is I have to be spending time listening for what God is speaking to me. And then another part of that is not just listening, but then actually doing something with what he's speaking to me. And then the, the, the other, the final part, and all of you who come out to my Wednesday night groups or in discipleship, you hear me ask you this every week. We actually have to be loving the people that God places in our lives. And that is what it means. You see, being a good disciple is someone who makes disciples. You're not a good disciple unless you're making disciples. And, and, and that looks like, it looks different in everybody's life. So don't get some kind of, oh, you mean if I'm not in a discipleship group or if I'm not discipling somebody or if I'm not doing a one-on-one -on -one every week, then I'm not a good disciple. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that God places people in your life every single day who need to hear the message of Jesus Christ, and he gives you the opportunity to proclaim that message to them. The question is whether you're doing it or not. All right? I don't know how I got off to this, but I got to pull. I'm going to rein this back in. You see, where was I at? I got, I got so sidetracked. Oh, that's right. They went out and they preached the gospel, okay? They preached the message of repentance. Folks, it is important for us to be proclaiming the message of repentance, the good news of being set free, of living for Jesus in our lives. It's not just about, it's not just about saying, I'm sorry. It's about stepping off the path that you're on onto the path that Jesus wants you to be on. That is when transformation takes place. And as these 12 went out, they went out proclaiming this. And it takes us to verse 13, and we're going to wrap this up today. And this is their ministry, and this is a message to us in our calling. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Now, I've got to tell you something. There are some in the theological realm that believe that this passage of Scripture right here, that that no longer exists. There are some in the theological realm that believes the gifting that Jesus gave to the 12 in verse 13 here, that that gifting no longer exists. I'm here to tell you from my perspective, I don't believe that, all right? 
You see, these guys not only preached repentance, they also ministered to the needs of those they encountered. They used the power they had received to cast out demons and to heal the sick. They were sensitive to the individual needs of those around them. And can I tell you something today? I believe, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that if we are walking close with the Lord, surrender to the Lord, allowing Him to move directly into our lives, that when we come across a demon or we come across someone who needs healing and they can be healed and the Lord wants them to be healed, that we're going to have the power to do that. I believe that we're going to have the power to cast out demons, not on our ability, not on our strength, but on the strength of our Lord and Savior working through us. I believe today that we are limited in what we are capable of doing through the Lord because we have not surrendered to the calling of the Lord in our life and we're not allowing Him to work in His fullness through us. And if we surrender, watch out world. Amen? You see, I believe in the power of anointing the sick. I believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. I believe people, I believe people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We cannot merely just preach a message of repentance without also preaching a message of compassion and grace. You see, one of the best ways to reach the unsaved is through coming alongside them in their need and doing all we can do to minister to them. Amen? You see, we are called to unapologetically proclaim the gospel and to not neglect the daily ministry through grace and love. You see, when the disciples went out, when they accepted their calling, when they went out, they went out with the task of meeting whatever need the Lord placed in front of them. And he gave them what they needed to accomplish it. Folks, the reason I believe we're not accomplishing everything that we should be accomplishing is because we haven't fully surrendered to the calling of Jesus Christ in our life. And today... It is time for us to surrender. You see, the calling and guidance of the 12 for ministry, it provides much needed insight for us as the church today. You see, we have responded to the call to serve the Lord, but I don't believe we're living it out the way we should be. I believe that we need to be asking ourselves questions like, are we being obedient are we serving the Lord in the areas that He is calling us to do? You know what I realized early in my ministry, and I'm going to ask the team to come up real quick as I finish this little story part here. I realized early on in my ministry, I had developed a practice in my ministry of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be involved in and then I would spend all kinds of time on my knees in prayer trying to convince the Lord to come and be a part of what I was doing. 
Because I believed what I was doing was good. I believed what I was doing needed to be done. He woke me up while I was doing a study. And he said, Steve, it's not about doing good works. It's about being obedient to me. How about you let me figure out what needs to be done? And why don't you come and be a part of what I'm doing? And then we'll accomplish the kingdom work that needs to be done. You see, I think the deepest and most challenging part of our calling today is the realization that some of the things that we may be doing or have been doing and the reason why we're experiencing frustration and we're experiencing defeat and we're experiencing struggle is because the things we've been doing aren't the things that God wants us to do. They're the things that we want to do and we're trying to get him to sign off on them. And can I tell you something today? First-hand knowledge. His way and his stuff is way better than my way and my stuff. Amen? I don't have a clue. He is the only clue. Surrendering to him is the beginning of your calling. And so this morning as we stand, I want to again say this to you. Go ahead and stand. Every single one of you in this room today has a calling. God wants to do great things through your life. You have to be willing to surrender to him and let him take control. If you let him take control, he will accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish in your life. And it won't, it won't be about resources. It won't be about gifting or talent. It'll all be about obedience because whatever he calls you to and whatever he wants you to do, he will give you exactly what you need to make it happen. You just have to surrender to him. The 12, man, they spent a good period of time with Jesus. And man, I know we all, like, man, I, I dude, if I, could just, if I could spend like a month with Jesus, like, you know, Jesus just come down here and like, let me be with you for a month. Dude, I would be the best pastor. I'd be the greatest Christian. I'd be the, man, I'd be the bomb.
obedience. <laughs> my obedience is not faced, based on me seeing him. It's based on the fact that I have faith that he is with me no matter what. Folks, it's time for us to surrender to the calling that he places in our life. This morning, if you feel like you are wrestling with this, come to the altar. Let somebody pray with you. This morning, I want to tell you this. Because I believe in the power of prayer and I believe in the power of healing, if you are struggling with something physically today, spiritually, emotionally, come down. Let us lay hands upon you. Let us pray. Believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. He will do what he wants to do. But we have to have faith and believe. If we believe, if we have faith, he will never let us down. Amen? Heavenly Father, this morning I pray for us in this room today. Lord, I ask that, Lord, that we would maybe some of us spend some moments in silence right now and just listen to what you have to say to us. Maybe there's some of us in this room that we know exactly what you're saying to us, but we are just having a hard time surrendering. Maybe there are some of us in this room right now, Lord, that we are hearing something new for the first time today in our hearts and in our minds. And the enemy is going to attempt to get us to say, oh, you better, let, you better let that ponder a little bit. You better just think about that a little bit. And we know we hear the Lord saying, go, move. Wherever we're at right now in this room, Lord, my prayer is that we will do exactly what you would have us to do. And if we do that, everything works according to your plan. Lord, speak to us right now. In your name I pray, amen.